Hey, good morning, everybody. Good morning as you're finding your seats, getting settled in. Welcome. We're so glad that you're joining us this morning. And um, we are going to worship this morning. And I love, I don't know about you guys, but I love when we come together and we get to enjoy the presence of the Lord in worship. Um, I worship in my own home, but there's something about coming together and worshiping and loving on Jesus. So this morning, we're just going to go straight into worship. Um, One of the things that we love is that we have such a value in this house for hearing the voice of God and hearing what He's saying and what's happening in a service. Maybe you might get a word of knowledge. You might get a picture. And so there's always an eldership team that's at the front for you to come and just share those words with, and we'll kind of like just sort them. We often find that not only is he sharing something just with one person, but almost how popcorn pops, you know, when you're cooking and everything, and there's several of them that'll kind of like pop up at the same time. It's kind of like that's what happens with the Holy Spirit. He talks, and there's these clusters of what he's doing in our midst with, uh, with us. So we just want to let you know that we know that there is a beautiful discernment on the body of Christ, and he speaks to his sheep. And he said that my sheep hear my voice. They don't recognize or follow a stranger, but they follow him. So this morning, let's worship and be expectant to what the Lord wants to share with us this morning as we come together to behold and to worship him. So will you stand with me? Heavenly Father, we come in the name of Jesus. Lord, we are so grateful, Lord, for a door that was open to you. Lord, it was a restoration because of Jesus and his great love for us to be restored to the Father, to your heart of love, Lord. And so, God, I just thank you for that. Lord, this morning we welcome Holy Spirit to come and to move among us. Lord, that in your presence, Lord, there is fullness of joy, Lord. Your word declares that times of refreshing come in the presence of the Lord. So this morning, God, our hearts swing wide open to adore you, to love you, and to pour worship and praise on you, Lord. We thank you for today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship, y'all.
Thank you. 
just want to read some scripture to us. Um, how many of you came in feeling weary or needing some strength? Anybody? There's a few of us. So what the rest of you are going to do who don't need it, you're going to pray for those who raise their hands. So how's that? So this is in Isaiah 40, 29. And we are so familiar with this scripture. It says this. It says, He gives power to the faint and weary, and to him who has no might, he increases strength, causing it to multiply and making it to abound. Who in here needs some abounding strength this morning? Whether it be emotional abounding strength, physical abounding strength, you need strength from the Lord that is not your own. It says this, it says, even youths shall faint and be weary and selected young men. That means the men that were pretty, the young men who are pretty, you know, buff and pretty okay, you know, those selected young men shall be feeble and fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord, and it says this, this is what waiting is. You wait for the Lord, you expect, you look for, and you hope in Him, shall change and renew their strength and power. They shall lift their wings and mount up close to God as eagles. And we know that it goes on that those who wait on the Lord will not grow faint, but you're going to run and not be weary. This morning, if you need strength, this song declares that it is the impossible that God makes possible. So if there is weariness, I want you to raise your hand. I don't care what it is. I don't care if you got something in your body that's physical, something that's emotional. You just feel wore down. The Lord wants to strengthen you this morning, but we're going to come around you and pray for you as they continue this song. And then we are going to just believe and trust the Lord that as we worship, He renews our strength. He renews it. And it's His strength that carries us and is in us. But I just felt like this morning, He wants to strengthen the feeble places. He wants to strengthen the weak places. So this morning, if you would like to have prayer, I'm just going to ask you, raise your hand and hold it up until someone comes and gathers around you. Some of you, we know what it's like to be in the long battle and you just get wore out. The warriors went to battle and they got exhausted. So y'all, there's been a little bit of battling going on over the last couple of years. We all get it. But this morning, there is renewal in the presence of the Lord and strength from the Lord. Amen. Let's gather around these people with our hands up. Hold them up high. We don't want to miss you. We want to pray for you and we want to bless you and encourage you. Amen.
Aren't you thankful?
Heavenly Father, we just come before you in thankfulness, Lord. Hearts are wide open. Lord, and we make a choice to worship you. We make a choice to adore you, Lord. We see who you are, Lord, and you are good in every way. The word says that every good gift comes down from the Father of lights, Lord. 
And in you, there's no shadow of turning. Lord, you are consistently good in our lives. And so often, Lord, we miss it. So, Lord, I just pray right now that our, our hearts would be open to see accurately. Lord, to, to discern who you are and how you're working in this world, Lord. To recognize the enemy and what he does, Lord. Recognize, Lord, that you come to bring life and life abundantly where he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And Lord, when I find that kind of destruction in my life, Lord, I will not ascribe that to you. I will lift up your name, Lord, and I will call to you because your word says you are where my help comes from. So I come, Lord, and just say, Lord, I'm so thankful. Lord, I recognize I live in a fallen and a broken world with fallen and broken people, Lord, but your word says that the weapons I fight with aren't, they're not flesh and blood, but they are powerful. And Lord, one of those weapons is praise. Lord, I choose to do that. Even when I don't feel like it, Lord, especially when I don't feel like it, I choose to honor you and praise you and lift you up. And Lord, your word says that you come and you dwell within the praises of your people. So we say, Jesus, thank you for who you are, Lord. And Lord, we honor you, we adore you, we ascribe to you glory, we ascribe to you truth and goodness and kindness and mercy, because Lord, that is who you are. And we worship you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, thank you guys. Why don't you have a seat? Thanks to the worship team. Um, one of the things we talk about, aren't they amazing? I just love all of them. <laughs> um, one of the things, we've, we've been talking about grace teams, obviously this is one of the grace teams, and uh, uh, one of the things I, I want you guys to notice, if you will, before we kind of get into anything else, when they were singing and Karen came up, just to show you how grace teams work, how the manifestation gifts work together, how the, the fivefold ministry gifts, we've been talking about all these different gifts that God has, how they work together. One of the things, I don't know if you noticed, it was really, really subtle, and I just wanted to point it out, um, because we've been talking about part of the, 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 the work that the worship team does is to uh, create an environment for encounter with the Lord. And all that means is we don't know what you need when you walk in here on Sunday morning. Sometimes you don't know what you need, but the Lord does. Amen. And so one of the things that they did is they were singing, Care came up and she was sharing uh, just prophetically about the, the feeble places in our, in our body, physical body, emotions, wherever that might be, um, that were challenging and that we need strengthening. And I don't know if you noticed when Rodney came back into that song, he sang just the front part of one little line. Anybody remember what it was? Saturday was silent. Now, you know, I don't know. I, I, I know he didn't plan that. <laughs> Rodney's amazing, but I know he didn't plan that. He planned this. We said, Lord, what songs do you want me to sing on Sunday morning? And we give him that. that uh, honestly, we just say, hey, we want to give you the freedom to choose the songs, and we want you to always lean into grace and be praying about what the Lord is going to be doing that Sunday morning. So in a lot of ways, it's prophetic. That, that ministry, that grace team is prophetic. But I just look at the morning like this, and I, I saw the, the, the need that the Lord brought attention to. I promise you there are tons of other, other needs in our body. But the, the attention that the Lord brought prophetically through the grace teams, through fivefold ministry with Karen coming up and doing what she does, all of those things came and pointed together. And you, this morning, to your credit, chose to be here. <laughs> you could have said, you know what, I don't feel like going to church, right? Anybody ever... Anybody, Anybody ever felt like, I don't feel like going to church? Maybe, maybe physically, emotionally, but you still did it anyway? And here's the beautiful thing about that. So often we think about what church gives us and what it brings us, but, but what, part of what we're trying to remind the body is that you matter 
to each, you matter. The Bible says we build one another up in love as each part does its work. So when you come and you do what you do, part of what happens is you take what God has given you in grace and you receive it, which is a beautiful thing, has to come into you first, and then you pour it out into the body and into people's lives. And I promise as some of you guys were praying over some of the people that had their hands raised. I know when Karen came over and prayed with me, I had my hand raised. So often the Lord will come and someone will, they'll, they'll start praying something and something they say will be prophetic. It'll be, it'll be so impactful and so right on. And you just, you know, sometimes you just take it in stride and sometimes it surprises us. But here's why I want, I want to point this out. Because when all of us do what God has called us to do, when we gather here on a Sunday morning, which is a meeting of the church, it's not church. We all know that, right? But it's the church gathering together and meeting. When that happens, Something about what God has done inside of you, how he has uniquely made you and formed you, and your submission to what the Lord is doing in your life, whether it's responding to, to, to grace gifts, whether it's responding to manifestation gifts, or whatever those things are, they allow the grace and the power of God to flow through you into other people's lives. So well done, church. Amen? Give yourself a hand. You guys are awesome. <laughs> So we're, we're going to do something a little bit different this morning. Um, we're going to take a survey. If, if we're going to have some people hand these out. We're doing grace teams right now, and we're talking through grace teams and what that looks like. It's a huge part of the life of our body. It's also a huge part of how we disciple one another uh, through grace teams, as we were talking about, and I'm going to talk about that a little more in my message this morning. But uh, small groups, sorry, community groups are coming up very, very soon. They're starting in February. And so what we want to do is we want to put out a survey for you guys. If you will, just go ahead and start reading it uh, as soon as you get it and, and just mark it. And then when you're done with it, you're just going to leave it in your seat. But why this is so important is because we have some thoughts and ideas as leaders about what we want community groups to accomplish. But one of the things we want to do is find out if it's actually doing that. <laughs> So we want to give you guys some times to speak in that, and if you want to write something down or if you have questions and you want a leader to respond to you, just put your name and, uh, and uh, telephone number or email on, and one of, our, one of our leaders will get in touch with you if you want us to, to get in touch. But take just a few minutes and fill out this, um, this uh, survey, and then Karen's going to come up in just a second and share what's going on at DCF in, in the coming weeks.
anybody who's not finished, just remember, yeah, if you guys will, just be sure and put the, um, put your surveys and your pens in the seat maybe beside you, and um, we will collect them after service. So if you're finished, will you go ahead and hold your sheets up? Everybody finished? Yeah, good. All right, great. Thanks, guys. We appreciate y'all doing that so much. It helps us to know kind of how to look at community groups going forward in the future. We know that they're a vital part of us um, growing together, um, growing spiritually, and um, journeying in this life together because we were never meant to be alone. And so we live life in the good, the bad, and the ugly with one another. And so, um, so we just want to look at how we can best do that here at DCF. So thanks for doing that, y'all. We appreciate it. If you're new with us this morning, go to DothanCF.com. Click on the, connect, um, uh, the connection card. I'm new here. We'd love to get to know you a little bit, know a little bit about your story and um, how your story intersects with ours and how we walk together. And um, we would just love to get to know you a little bit. Grace Teams, you guys, we have launched our Grace Teams officially. And um, we just want you to know, if you weren't here last week, we've got them all set up over there where you can kind of get a little bit of an idea if you're like, um, you want to just check them out. Also, you can go to dothancf.com and look at the Grace Teams and look at how you can bring your strength to build DCF and for us to grow together in love. So thanks so much. And our community groups are going to be coming up um, in February. If you would like to lead a community group, um, contact one of the leaders here, either um, David or myself. We would love to see what are the things that you're passionate about. That was part of the survey for today. Um, but we know that we like to do life together, you guys. Um, and also for our giving, thanks so much. You can give online as well. A lot of everything is online. Did y'all notice that a lot of stuff just went digital like crazy after COVID? So um, uh, it was already there, but there were some of us that was forced into that. So, but we have that available. You can also give up front in the box as well. So um, we're going to dismiss our kids at this time, and we are going to go have a great time. And um, we love getting to just know what the Lord's heart and his passion is for our kids because they were born for such a time as this. So, um, so be praying for your kids. Come alongside your kids. We as teachers in, in Kids Church, we actually are called to come alongside you in your purpose of training your kids. We get them, you know, I did a statistic just a little bit randomly thinking to kind of narrow it down. We maybe get your kids 20 hours a year, not a week. Y'all listen, 20 hours a year. We don't get to disciple your children. We get to come alongside you discipling your children and reinforce who God says they are and how they are to be brought up in the love of a good, good father and that they were born to live in a mission that he has for them. So it's kind of re, re paradigm shifting a little bit that the church is discipling your children. We actually come alongside you. If you need help, if you need tools, you need some way of like, I don't know how to do this very well, we've got some great things for you that will help you accomplish knowing how to actually train your children and how God has designed them and wired them. So uh, Pastor Dave's going to come and he's going to bring the message this morning. So we look forward to hearing from him. Thanks, you guys.
All right, good morning. How's everybody doing? Wave at me if you're still awake. All right, don't fall asleep during my sermon, okay. <laughs> We're continuing a series we've been doing, <clears throat> doing for a couple weeks now uh, called Discovering Your Purpose. And as Karen was saying, we are talking about grace teams. Uh, for some of you guys, if you've been around church for a while, uh, you might have heard them called ministry teams, serving teams. There are all kinds of different things. But the reason why we're gonna, we call them grace teams, I'm going to talk a little, bit of, uh, a little bit more about today, is because the way that God works in our lives is he pours out grace into us. And when he created us, he created us with natural aptitudes, abilities, all, all these different things. Um, and they, they begin to come out in your, in your life, even at an early age. And so uh, they're, they're a grace that God has placed on side of you, which is why we call them grace gifts and why we challenge you to walk in those gifts, to, to release those gifts, to equip yourself, be equipped by leaders, um, and grow up in those gifts and bring your strength, who God made you to be, to the kingdom of God and to the world. It's kind of what we do. Um, last time we talked about some foundational concepts, two simple ones um, that we began with, is, and that's this. You are not your own. That was in 1 Corinthians 6.20. It says, for you were bought at a price. You are not your own. So these two foundational concepts will help you move into releasing the grace gifts, recognizing that, that, that God has given you something to steward. Anybody ever heard the word steward? If you're in church, I know you heard the word steward, right? So you don't hear it, it's hard, hardly ever heard anymore, but the, the whole concept behind a steward was someone who managed someone else's property and affairs. So the beautiful thing about being a steward of the gift that God has given you is you can live in a really, really nice house just as long as you remember the house doesn't belong to you, right? And so that's just a picture of going, okay, my life is not my own. Why? Because I was I was purchased. God, first of all, he created me. Then he has purchased me. We talked about that. And then the second thing we talked about was you, you're not an island. You owe a debt of love. Romans 13, 8 says, owe no one, owe no one anything except to love one another. So Dave Ramsey will tell you, get out of debt. Don't owe anybody anything except, the Bible says, you owe everyone, everyone a debt of love. And the reason why you can't repay that, why it's always owed to someone else in, 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 in this world is because the, the debt you owe of love is really not to them so much as it is to the one who created you and them. And it's a way that God works his love through our lives. Um, we talked about grace gifts last week and introduced them a little bit. We talked about some common threads. I'm just going to give these to you quickly. Unity, unity of the body is always a priority. So when gifts flow, whether they're five-fold ministry gifts, whether they're manifestation gifts or grace gifts that we're talking about today are always building toward the unity of the body. So if your gift is not driving unity in the church and bringing people together, you're doing it wrong, <laughs> right? And the whole part of the book of, whole book of 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians as well, a little bit, but the 1 Corinthians was written to people who were doing manifestation gifts wrong. And so everything Paul said to them had nothing to do with, you know, you guys are horrible. They were. Their behavior was horrible. But he, he spoke to their identity and said, look, these gifts are tools not just for you but for other people. He said, you, basically, you're being selfish with these gift, gifts and you're not driving unity. You're not building up one another. Secondly, they're given for service to others. In other words, this gift will work in your life. Manifestation gifts, five-fold ministry gifts, grace gifts especially are working in your life all the time but they were designed and they were given for service to others. And thirdly, that they should reflect the nature of God. If your gift doesn't look like God, your gift is out of order and out of line, and you need to, and you need to get it back in where it needs to be. So we talked about grace teams or how we serve one another in the world with our gifts, and, and one way that we intentionally disciple 
um, how we minister into people's lives. We help grow up the gifts. Uh, we talked about this. If you have a leadership gift and you're a child, you use that leadership gift in a selfish way to benefit you. And if you are also on Wall Street as a 40-year-old man, potentially, if you're not a believer, you're using that leadership gift like a two-year-old toddler to, to fill all your needs, right? And so that's the whole idea is, is recognizing that these are designed to disciple one another. So we talked about how discovering your purpose is directly connected to discovering your source. If you think that you are an island, if you think that you, know, you, you don't exist for anybody else and that there is no God, one of the challenges in discovering your purpose is that you, you can't discover your purpose without knowing the source of your purpose. So you try to find your purpose in all kinds of different things that seem like good things to do, but they, they begin to just kind of fall by the wayside and they don't work inside of you and you just, you just walk away meaningless. Um, I was watching a, a, a video the other day. It was just a short little video, and it was a famous rapper. If I said his name, you would know him. Um, but he was in an interview, and, he, and he, he got really, really vulnerable. And a lot of, most rappers don't do that. But in this moment, he got really, really vulnerable. And he was asking, some guy asked him what he, what he struggled most with. And he says, I struggle most when the doors close. And he just stopped for a second. And so we're like, what does that mean? He said, you know, I'm, the, I'm, I'm famous. He goes, I have all the money in the world. He goes, um, I come off the stage, all the adoration of my fans, and, you know, he said, I'm celebrated online, all these things. And he said, and I come out of that concert, and he goes, I go into my trailer, and he said, I hang out and I party with my boys, and then they leave or pass out. <laughs> and he said, and then, and then the doors close. And he said, I'm, a, I'm alone with myself. And he said, and the question I always ask, does this matter? Isn't that amazing? And so he's not a Christian, and, you know, I'd love to talk to him about his gift because, you know, he's obviously gifted. Some of you guys don't think rap is from the Lord, but it is. Some of you guys, I'm leaving the church over that one. That's <laughs> but it's just creative ability, and, and, you know, in any form or fashion, God gives that to us. But the point behind this is if you don't know your source, then you're, you're constantly searching, which is why the Bible calls when you're not in relationship with your father, why, why the Bible says you are lost. You're just wandering around. You're without purpose. So uh, you got to discover your source. Understanding stewardship is pivotal um, because if you, if, if you don't, you think everything you have is yours, and you either spend it all on yourself or you, or you get ripped off all the time. Um, and when you realize that you're tied to something bigger, something happens is you're, you realize that it's not your job to create your, your, um, to create your purpose, but it's your job to discover it. So part of discovering your purpose is discovering the one who gave you the purpose in the first place. So we talked about last week, and I gave you a picture of three basic types of gifts. So some of this is going to be new to you, and I know some of you guys is like, well, is, you know, is this really valuable? Let me just tell you, this is one of the most valuable things you'll ever learn as a believer. So often churches don't do this. Churches will go, and a lot of them, I understand why they do it, but so often churches will go after the modern day seven ways to a better relationship, and so they go. And the reason why that works is because it's, it's trendy, it, it captures your attention, and you go after it. But how many of you guys know success in life is not about dealing with the urgent, but it's actually fulfilling the important? And the important is almost never urgent, right? <laughs> so if you break your arm, that's urgent, and you get it taken care of, right? Like even men who don't want to go to the doctor, we got any men who's like, I'm, I'm fine, I'm good, and, and all the wives are going, no, you are not, you need to go see a doctor. Something is wrong with your physical body, right? My dad's notorious for this. We'll call him, dad, did you go to the doctor about your knee? No. How's it doing? Yeah, it's really, really bad. Like, dad, it's been six 
six months and your wife is a nurse. I do not understand how you could, <laughs> anyway, it's just the way men are for the most part. But, but if we go when, when, you know, just using that medical analogy, if we go when we recognize something is off, if we see someone or begin to go, go down that path, oftentimes it can be caught and dealt with long before it becomes urgent. Right, And that's the truth about, about gifts, that's the truth, truth about who you are, your identity, that's the truth about your relationship with God in all those ways. So we talked about these gifts, and these gifts are not just how you operate in church, but how everybody operates one way or the other. So even if you're not a believer, this is going to apply to you. Whether you like it or not, you can, you can, be, you know, you can decide that there is no God, um, and you, it's kind of like the blind man. You, you try to explain to him the color red, and he's like, he'll argue with you till he's blue in the face, right? Which he also can't see that he's blue in the face because he's blind. So, but you know, right? <laughs> you know what the color red is, but no matter how much you try to explain it, whether he believes it or not doesn't change the fact that there is a color red. And God's like that, and these gifts are like that. So there are three basic types. We talked about the five-fold gifts. These are equipping gifts. Not everybody gets these, but they're equipping gifts, and they, they don't make a person better or worse. This is not a value proposition when it comes to the grace, and you have to understand that. Otherwise, you won't walk confidently in the, in the gift that God has given you, or you'll want another gift that is not yours, and you'll make a big mess of things. So the five-fold gifts from Jesus, uh, Ephesians 4.11 talks about that. The manifestation gifts, you see the majority of these in 1 Corinthians 12, and he talks about what happens when the Spirit of God moves among his believers and the manifestation gifts. They're available to all. The Bible says they're se- he, he gives them severally as he wills. In other words, if we're in a setting... And, and like this morning, we're worshiping or you're in a small group or you're just, you know, just taking a, a moment to just focus on the Lord. The presence of God can begin to move inside of you and gifts will begin to flow. Gifts like prophecy, tongues and interpretation. We call those the vocal gifts. You have power gifts, the gift of faith, the gift of miracles, the gifts, plural, of healings, plural. Very interesting how these, how, and we don't have time to get into these too deep, but it's powerful how God works among these. And then the, the last one are the grace gifts. And the grace gifts, everybody gets grace gifts. And usually you have more than one kind of grace or more than one grace gift, and they operate together to make you who you are. You are known for something, right? Whether you do it well or you do it poorly, you're known for something. If you're, I use this all the time, if you're a child and you have a leadership gift, it's not like you don't know which kid in your family has the leadership gift, right? You know very quickly because they will lead you if you're not paying attention, right? So you know. So here's, here's kind of a picture of these grace gifts. I put this up here where you can see it. It's, if you can imagine um, the, just a multi faceted, you know, diamond, but the better picture is a, a, a faucet where there are different valves, and there's a ton of these. There are at least 13, if not more, <clears throat> and you can turn those on and off. So in the church, if you on a Sunday morning or in a discipleship group or community group or in, you know, just connecting as friends and, and, and people who love one another, if you turn these gifts off in your life or you refuse to bring your strength or to open that valve to other people, then that grace gift won't flow through you. And so the Bible says that, that we, build a, we build, the body builds itself up in love as each, as each part, each person, each valve does its work. In other words, opens the valve and releases the grace of God to flow through them. Flow through them. So it's just a, a picture of how this works. So just some, here's some general things about grace gifts. So often they're talked about as either strengths or abilities, 
They're thought of as natural abilities, but they are supernatural in origin. And again, whether you're a believer or not, it doesn't make any difference. When, when you are born, you are born and God gives you certain gifts. And from the time you're, the time you're little, that begins to manifest in some form or fashion, right? Um, the administration gift, we're going to talk about some of these gifts, but the gift of administration is a phenomenal gift. It's so powerful. It's so helpful in churches. It's so helpful in businesses. And those are the kind of people, administration, um, my wife has this gift. And I remember a revelation that came to her one time. We were in a discussion, and, and she had been told that the gift of administration was like being a secretary, right? Which is nothing wrong with being a secretary, but that's not what she likes to do. That's not, the gift of administration, biblically, is a picture of the guy who holds the wheel of a ship. There's sails, there's a rudder, there's a captain, and you're not the captain. You're the one who's making sure that that boat goes where it's supposed to go. You're, you, you have a, a purview of everything that's going on around you, and you're positioning people and putting so many CEOs have this gift of administration that they don't use at all for the kingdom but they generate tremendous wealth. Some of the products that you have are because God gave somebody a a gift of administration, right? Or a gift of leadership or all those different things. So things in this arena seem intuitive and they're easy for you to figure out. Here's an example. Um, You ever go to somebody's house and they have the gift of hospitality? Like you're not paying attention, but here's how you know. You go in and they're like, in the South, you're always gonna be offered sweet tea, right? Whether you want it or not, it's it's coming. Even in the wintertime, doesn't matter. So they're like, hey, would you like something to drink? I would love something to drink, thank you. So maybe it's coffee because it's cold out. And they'll bring coffee and about the time you ask for sugar, sugar hits the table, right? Or it's already there, laid out in all the various kinds, and then milk or cream or whatever, you know, and you'll get, you'll get half and half for coffee, and you'll get regular milk for tea, because, you know, hospitality people know those differences, like I don't know it, but you, they know it. If you've ever been somewhere where the person doesn't have the gift of hospitality, you say, um, I am really thirsty, and they're like, okay, no, could I have something? Oh, yeah, yeah, my bad, and then they go, what would you like? We have, well, I don't even know what we have. That person does not have the gift of hospitality, right? And then you're like, could I have some coffee? Sure. Oh, where'd I put that? I don't know where that is, right? And it turns into a comedy of errors. If they do give you coffee, it's like they don't ask you whether you want cream, whether you like it black. They just give you a cup of coffee and then stare at you. And you're like, could I have sugar? They're oh, yeah, yeah, bring it to you. And you're like, could I have a spoon? (laughs) (laughs) because <laughs> it's not intuitive and easy. But listen, this is one of the, we're going to get into this in a second, but this is one of the most important things about gifts is even if you don't have the gift of hospitality, the grace gift that resides on you, that makes this intuitive and easy to do, you still are required by God to show hospitality. But it will be difficult for you if you don't have that gift, Right? So it's helpful to know. So um, people who are graced with this gift love to have people in their home. They create an environment. They, we, we have people who have the gift of hospitality. We release them into all kinds of, of gifts. Um, one of those is the, the door greeter, the people, you know, first impressions team are great because people think about what is it like to bring someone in my home, to make them feel welcome, to make them feel celebrated. It's just the way that their mind works, right? But you don't want me doing that. 
Because <laughs> I'm like, they'll figure it out. You just come on in. You'll figure it out. Don't, don't kick the tires and, you know, just figure it out. You'll be fine. That's, that's a gift of leadership, though, so don't ignore that one. So here's the thing. They can be developed and grown. You can grow in your hospitality or leadership or administration gift. You can grow in that, and you can develop it by exercising them faithfully, which is what Peter, 1 Peter says to do. It says to, to, to do these gifts in a way that you start getting really, really good at them, right? And you can train other people in them. They work best when they're administered faithfully in service to others. You can have the gift of hospitality and make yourself feel hospitable, <laughs> right? right? You can do that. You probably create a great environment around you, but if you're not expressing this in service to others, it won't grow and it won't develop as well. So here's just a couple of caveats about the, those gifts. Grace gifts do not preclude us from operating in obedience to what the Lord has called us to. So great when, when, I, when I do the gifts test, I always, I always score really, really low in mercy. And you're like, wait, you're a pastor. I know. You should be me for a little while. It's, it's challenging sometimes, right? Where I score real high, I always score real high in leadership, right? So I'm like, yeah, let's go. And I'm and on the visionary strengths, I'm like literally at the top of, of a visionary, which means I always want to tell you what you can do with your life. <laughs> and if you don't know, I will help you. I will, I will volunteer information on how you can step into the call of God and go. In. I love doing that kind of stuff, right? But to show you mercy takes fortitude and and. It's hard for me to show mercy, but I have to do it. And so what I've done is over my lifetime, I have learned how to show mercy. Guess who I learned it from? People with mercy gifts. Now, here's the thing. If you have a mercy gift, you, you can be taken advantage of so easily. So you want someone in your life who has a leadership gift to come to you and go, do you know that guy's taking advantage of you? You're like, No because my mercy gift's so big, I can't see over it, right? See how these gifts work together? But if you have the leadership gift, you're just like, why is everybody always crying around me? I don't know why everybody's always, and that was my experience as a 20-something-year-old pastor. I'm like, I don't understand why everybody's crying. because you don't have any mercy for them. Give them a little bit of mercy. I'm like, they're big boys, come on, right? <laughs> that, again, I still have to show it, so it's important to understand that. This is Matthew um, 5, 7. It says, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown Mercy. It doesn't say blessed are those who operate in their mercy gift, right? Blessed are those who show mercy, whether you have the gift or not. So it's important to understand that. And here's something really powerful. God will not take your gifts away from you. He will not punish you by taking your gifts away from you. They are yours. And here's how I know it. Romans eleven twenty nine 29 says, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. God will not take those, which is why you see, just take for a second, I know this is super controversial, but take for a minute, baby Hitler, right? <laughs> just take for a second, baby Hitler. Like God's intention, I promise you, for baby Hitler was not to grow up to be Hitler, right? He is synonymous with evil and every horrible thing, and rightfully so. But was that God's intention? And somehow he managed to, to garner together a country that had been absolutely defeated in the First World War. Their economy was in shambles. He actually borrowed some theories from Scripture, created, uh, the, uh, the, uh, liberated everybody from, from their debt. He washed it all away. Their economy was worse than Venezuela's is right, right now. It was a mess. And, and through his leadership gift, he literally took, almost took over the entire world. So, 
in all of that, God never revoked that gift. Now, I have a problem with that. I would have liked him to have done that, right? <laughs> but then when I do something wrong, I don't want him to do that to me. See how that works? So why is that important? It means you can be selfish with your gift and never use it for the kingdom, and God will not take it away from you. And you can be, you can be selfish, and you can be an atheist. You can believe in, in your mind that there is no such thing as a God, and, and the God you don't believe in is the very one who gave you the gift that you were actually you know, defaming his name with. It's a powerful concept. So let me just give you some pictures of grace gifts. If you want to study this a little more deeply, you can. This is Romans. These grace gifts happen all over the Bible, especially the New Testament. Romans 12, 6 through 8, you see all these gifts, prophesying, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leadership, mercy. Now, some of these, when I say them, you know that that's probably what you have, or you know for sure that that's one of your gifts. 1 Peter 4 talks about hospitality and the gift of speaking. That's an actual gift. So you see that all the time, obviously, in public speakers, comedians, I mean, actors. All of these guys have these gifts. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, 28 helps administration. That was one I was talking about before. Helps is a very interesting we're going to get to. 1 Corinthians 7, 7, what every young man wants as a gift from the Lord, celibacy. <laughs> no, if, you, you're, if, you're, if you're single right now and you're like, I wonder if the Lord's given me celibacy. He hasn't. That's how you know. If you're wondering, he hasn't. So don't worry about it, okay? We'll, we'll get to that one as well. Um, Paul talked about that. That's a gift he had, actually, in which was, he said it's helpful if you don't get married. However, <laughs> right, better to marry than to burn with passion. So if you're burning with passion, you probably don't have the gift of celibacy. I'm just saying, we'll get into that later. All right, and the last one is found, actually found in the Old Testament, and this one's kind of interesting. Most people don't see this one, but it's creative skills. So, so the Bible says that people were anointed by the Holy Spirit to craft gold and silver and wood. They were carving all of the, everything art, that is artistic is a creative skill that God will anoint people to do. How many of you guys remember Elvis? Some of you guys, younger guys, don't even know who he is. So Elvis, when he would sing gospel music, I remember listening on my eight-track tape, and <laughs> where you had to put the little piece of paper over there so it didn't skip. Y'all know, right, my struggle. So I remember listening, though, and even before I was a believer, there was something about that that moved me. Now, some songs, I catch a song on the radio from time to time that will move my soul. I will, I will, it will capture my emotions and literally sometimes bring a tear to my eye. It's amazing how, how it, especially when it connects to an emotion you're, you're feeling, which is why music becomes so popular, right? But isn't it, isn't it interesting that even though he was not a Christian worship artist, right, when he would sing songs to God, that anointing that was on his gift that he used for fame and fortune and money and all those things, that it was a powerful gift even though he was not primarily using it for that. Again, it's a powerful thing, but that's one of them, uh, all kinds of creative things. So let's just start with, and we're not going to get through all these. There's no chance on that. So we're going to go through several of them and then pick the rest of them up next week. So let me talk about the grace to prophesy. This is Romans 12.6. It says, we have different gifts. So here's that picture of everybody's got gifts, and everybody's gifts are different. We have different gifts according to the grace God has given us. You don't get to pick yours. God picks them for you. He had you in mind before you were born, the Bible says. It says, if a man's gift is prophesying, implying that not everybody's gift is prophesying, right? In the grace gift. 
So we're, we're going to get to that in just a second. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. Now, that's very interesting because most of us, if you've been around DCF for a while, you know we prophesy a lot. That's part of what, part, we love that. We, one of the, our big values is, comes from Isaiah where the Bible says we tremble at the, at the word of the Lord. What God says, obviously in Scripture, is our, our boundaries, right? But the now word, the rhema word, that prophesying word right now, here and now, is a powerful tool for us to, to use, and we're going to get into that. So this is a really interesting gift, so I'm going to spend a little bit of time. It comes first, but I'm going to spend a little bit of time on it because it's, it's unique in the sense that it literally goes across all three types of gifts. The fivefold ministry gift of a prophet, right, prophesies. He's the person, he's a person in equipping ministry that uses these, these grace gifts and manifestation gifts. Secondly, it's a manifestation gift found in 1 Corinthians 12 to prophesy, right, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And then thirdly, it's a grace gift here found in Romans that's actually a grace gift that you prophesy sometimes whether you know you're doing it or not. Now, we always think prophecy is, because we think of it as a worldly definition, that is forth-telling, it's telling the future. But that's not necessarily true. The Old Testament prophets often shared something that had two purposes. It had a purpose in the moment, moment when they were speaking to a king or a leader. And, and back then, the, the Holy Spirit primarily would rest, he would come and rest on kings and prophets, and then he would leave. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit comes in us as believers, and he stays. Before, he would come, and he would, he would minister in the season, and then he would step back, Nowadays, he comes and he abides within us because we're believers, okay? And, and the Holy Spirit won't live in a dirty house, so that's how you know grace is so powerful, right? Because you're like, oh, how could, how could the Lord use me? I've sinned um, because God's got a bigger brain than you do, okay? <laughs> and he talks about that through all, of, all the messages about grace. So it's a very interesting gift. So many scholars have used this gift to say that this grace gift of prophecy is actually preaching, Except for in just a second, you're going to find out that's not possibly true because of the way it addresses it. So here's the thing. What happens is often when we don't have, we have been taught a, a, a bad theology or no theology, we create something in our head when we come across a scripture to try to make it fit. We try to wedge it in somewhere. So we create these really terrible doctrines that the church begins to adopt. And sometimes for decades or even hundreds of years, these these terrible doctrines can abide inside of a church and lead people astray, right? I've shared this before. The Pentecostal movement, Pentecostal charismatic movement happened around 1904. It began. It's, it, it, you find it all throughout church history. You see it. You see pockets of it here and there. But God restored this for whatever reason. People were seeking God. They began to pray in tongues, didn't know what it was, went to Scripture, found it in the book of Acts, said, oh, that's what that is. And, and all of a sudden, this now becomes this powerful ministry of the Holy Spirit, and he begins to take, basically take over the church world. So now there are more Pentecostals on the planet than any other type of denomination. Some of you guys didn't know that because your, your mindset, often our mindsets are local to what we grew up in. So did the Pentecostals get it all, all right? No, because usually what happens is when the, the pendulum has been swung too far and, and something's been ignored and God begins to restore it, guess what happens? It typically swings the pendulum way too far to the other side and at some point, because of the body and the beautiful discernments on the body, it brings it back into a place of balance and tension. And that's really important to understand because balance and tension are not the same thing. 
when you say I'm balanced, if I'm standing here balanced, that there's no such thing. It's a word we use, but all of my muscles, starting from my toes all the way up into my shoulders, maybe even my neck, hopefully not my face, but all of that is creating tension, slight tiny movements that are adjusting constantly, right, with movement and everything else to, to where I appear to be balanced. But all, what I really am, I'm in tension in a good way. And so scripture is like that. There's often tension between two things, um, tension between uh, grace and, and, or works and, and, and grace. There's tension between all kinds of things in scripture. So it's helpful to understand even in the, in the, in the gifts there, there's tension. So again, it's fi- found in all three. Um, this prophetic gift is found in all three of these. So let me, here's an example. Acts 13.1 in the fivefold gifts. It says, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. So here's the thing. When we read Ephesians 4, right, it says that, that these equipping ministries are, are pastors, teachers, evangelists, prophets, and apostles. Five, that's why they call them the fivefold ministry gifts, right? Um, a lot of people call them post-ascension gifts. And the reason why is it starts at Scripture in Ephesians. It says when Jesus ascended on high, when he left this earth, the Bible says he gave gifts to men. And what it means by that is he gave humanity these fivefold gifts as equipping gifts for the church, okay? They are not holier than you. <laughs> they are not necessarily more righteous than you. None of those things are true. It's not a value proposition. It's just a different kind of gift. So he goes through all these. This scripture says, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets. Jesus, before this, there were prophets, Old Testament prophets. Now there are New Testament prophets. And there is nowhere in scripture that says that these New Testament prophets stopped being prophets. God is still doing that today. Has it been abused? 100% it's been abused. But again, the pendulum swings, and then God always brings it back to balance because of the discernment on the body of Christ. Here's another one. Acts, just a few scriptures down. Acts 15, 32. Judas and Silas, this is not the Judas that betrayed Jesus. He's long gone. Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, said much to encourage the strength and strengthen the believers. How many of you guys have heard of Silas the prophet? How about Judas the prophet? Do you not read your Bible? (laughs) We do, but what we typically do is we read it with a hermeneutic in mind. We read it with a filter that exists previous to reading the Scripture. One of the most powerful things you can ever do with the Bible is let it read you. So when you come across something, because I just had, I shared this, I just had recently breakfast with a guy. He, was, he, he came up in cessationist mindset where they said all the gifts and the five, all that's gone. Um, don't need it anymore. Except for during COVID, he was an instructor and he had time on his hands because there were several times that students didn't come because of COVID. So they had gaps in normal instruction time so that, you know, they gave them piddly things to do, but they had a lot of time on their hands. He, he said, and the problem was I started reading my Bible and it got me in trouble. Because I read some things in there where I had been taught, and I said, hey, wait a second. The Bible says something different than what I have been taught my entire life in church. Now, let me just say this. Pastors don't mean to do that. Our hearts are pure as the driven snow most of the time. <laughs> but, and our hearts are to teach you. We're going to get to this in just a second. But the Bible says be careful about being a teacher because you're held to a, a high response. You're held to a high accountability. Why? Because what you teach people, it causes them to look at God the way you have positioned him. And if you have positioned him as a legalistic, angry father, you do a disservice to them in their walk with God, and they will struggle the entire time they're on this planet. 
Now we're going to get to heaven, and now all of us are going to go, oh, <laughs> right? First thing's going to happen in heaven. You're going to go, oh, because the Bible says we will be known, we will know as we have been known perfectly. But until then, it's up to you because God gave you a Bible. I know I read off that iPad all the time. That's an actual Bible. He gave you a Bible, and you have a responsibility to look at this and read it and study it. Why? Because it speaks to who he is and what he's like and how he made you and your identity and what you're supposed to be like, right? So it goes on. Um, this is a, equipping the saints for, the, for service. It's a fivefold ministry gift. It's primarily this prophet, this per- person is, speaks to people. And, and one of the things that makes them different is oftentimes they'll speak direction and correction, right? They're really gentle in how they do it, mostly, <laughs> But they will challenge in a big way. I had a prophet when I was 21 years old, just called into the ministry, had this incredible, powerful Pentecostal service. God was moving, and he walked up to me, grabbed me by, I was in uniform, I was in the Air Force. He grabbed me by my lapels, and he moved me over to the wall. He didn't slam me, but he moved me over the wall, and he pushed me against the wall, and he was a big man, and he lifted me up a little bit so I could feel the weight come off of my feet. So I'm like, you have my attention, sir. And this is what he said to me you will be one of the most frustrated people you have ever met. And then he sat me down and walked away. And I was like, what in the whole world was that about, right? Can I tell you, I have been one of the most frustrated people I've ever met. What I learned was that's not necessarily a bad thing. Because frustration is a way you discover gifts. It's a way you see what's wrong and bring proper attention. It's a way you correct. It's a way, it's a way you grow. It's a way you build. And that's what God called me to do. He was 100% right. It's phenomenal, phenomenal how prophets work sometimes. But that was a directional prophetic word, right? Very stark difference with Old Testament prophets. The Old Testament prophets partnered with the law to prophesy. New Testament prophets partner with grace. One of the problems, as this gift was restored, people were still legalistic in their thinking, and they started using the gift of prophecy to beat people down and to badger people. Selfish, immature, insecure men and women would use this gift to control churches and control leaders and control people, control their family, and on and on and on. doesn't make the gift invalid because the person is lacking maturity, spiritual maturity. So let me go on. Within uh, the manifestation gifts, this is something the Bible says that every single person should go after this gift. Listen to the, the, a couple of these. This is uh, 1 Corinthians 14.1. Um, it says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire sp- spiritual gifts. So 1 Corinthians 12 talks about love. Uh, chapter, I'm sorry, uh, 12 ta- talks about the gifts. Chapter 13 talks about love. And then it finishes up with 14, going back to the gifts and says, you got to do this in the context of love. That's the way the gifts are supposed to work. He says, so, but follow the way of love and, not but, and, it says, eagerly desire spiritual gifts. And listen, especially the gift of prophecy. Why? What does prophecy do? Why is it unique that it's in every single one of the types of gifts, fivefold uh, manifestation gifts and the grace gifts? And the answer to that is, it is the heart of God being shared with people. It's one of the most beautiful things. It's what priests would do in the Old Testament was they would stand between God and mankind. 
and they would, they would declare who God was and challenge people to come closer to God and help them find reconciliation. And if you remember, part of what you've been called to as a believer is that we have been reconciled so that we can become ministers or servants of reconciliation to the world. So what does that mean? You get to tell the good news. God is no longer angry with you. Because he paid for your sin. Jesus paid for all of your sin. Your sin has been removed as far as the east is from the west. Now, you can hold on to your sin and keep the consequence, the wages of your sin, or you can receive the gift of eternal life and the gift of righteousness. You can have self-righteousness or you can have the gift. But you can't have both. Does that make sense? So this is a powerful gift. In 1 Corinthians 14, it says, Therefore, my brothers, be eager to prophesy. Now think about that. How many churches lean into this and go, you know what, I'm eager to prophesy this morning. Do you say that on your way to church? Do you say that when you're heading to your community group or your grace team? Man, Lord, I am eager to prophesy. So it says, be eager to prophesy but, and do not forbid speaking in tongues. We'll get into that one later. So prophecy has the power to build up the rest of the body through strengthening encouragement. This is 1 Corinthians 14.3. It's a foundational scripture for the manifestation gift of prophecy. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. So if you start moving outside of strengthening, encouraging, and comfort, you're beginning to move into the role of a prophet. It's not wrong necessarily. Maybe that's what God's called you to, right? But if you want to start sharing directional or correctional words with people, you want to start telling them, you know, what gender, doing a, a, a gender reveal prophecy, right? If you want to do that, telling them who they should marry, what job to take, and all that kind of stuff, you are probably out of bounds because part of that role, you need to run through the eldership because the role the elders have is to guard, guide, and, and basically come around and protect. It's shepherding is what it does, right? It's part of the role of, of, of elders. So within the grace gifts, I've finally gotten to the grace gifts, right? I'm still on the first one, and I'm almost done. So people who have this grace gift find it easy to function prophetically, and they're the ones often hearing from God. They, are naturally, they naturally understand the delivery of truth, and it's almost a natural ability. Here's what's interesting. I've, I've met so many cessationists, and I have a conversation with them because they'll say to me, if we get that, this far, they'll say, well, I don't believe that the gifts are today. And I said, okay, I hear you. So can you hear God outside of Scripture? And they say, absolutely not. So I say to them, why are you in this city? I was born here. Do you ever want to leave? No. Okay, that's not helpful. <laughs> Let's use one of your missionaries. So do you have missionaries in Japan? Yes. Do you have missionaries in China? Yes. Why did one of them go to Japan and one of them go to China? Because the Bible says go and preach the gospel all over the world. And the answer always is, I felt like God wanted me to go to this place as opposed to this place. You do this all the time. Should I take this job or not? Lord, I'm praying. Lord, I'm trusting you. Should I take this job? And you think so often that you're just doing what Benjamin Franklin did, which is put the pros over here and the cons over here and just pick the one with the biggest number. But so often, whether you know it or not, you're hearing from God, right? And because of that, you even do it with other people. You'll come alongside them and speak truths into their life. This is the gift of prophecy. And often you're doing it whether you even know you're doing it or not. It's helpful to learn how to do it. So again, those who bear this gift of prophecy should do it in proportion to their faith. This is what it says about the grace gift. So what, why is that important? The temptation to prophesy to someone as you walk up to someone just earlier during our worship time, 
we were prophet, there, there was, you know, Karen heard a prophetic word. She comes up and she shares that that was a directional word for us as a church. She says, hey, there are people who are going through this. Rodney, one of the grace gifts up here, Rodney's listening, he's worshiping, he's chosen songs, and one of the lines in the song was, um, Saturday was silent. If you, if you want to pick the perfect line in a song for what we were all doing in that moment was, Saturday was silent. And what was fascinating to me, because I was watching you, Rodney, what was fascinating to me is he did not sing the rest of that line. Why? Because God was speaking something about Saturday being silent. And part of that is you feel the weight of Saturday being silent. God, I can't hear you. You know, it's, it's Jesus has died. He's been in the tomb. The disciples are going, what happened? All this vision and everything's coming apart at the seams. Ah! Right? But Sundays are coming. And there's something about when you are a believer and you know the truth about who God is and his patterns and who he, what he's like, when you know Saturday is silent, when you're feeling Saturday is silent, the anticipation is, yes, but Sunday is a coming, right? That was five-fold, manis- or fivefold ministry gifts coming up here, directional prophetic ministry, Grace gift, choosing songs, all these guys, all the instruments, the, the beautiful singing, all of the stuff that just, all of the grace pours into them and it pours out of you. You know how you know? Because you're not, you're not having to give them grace, right? If someone's up here singing and they're totally out of tune and, and, not, and you're going, oh, all you mercy gifts, oh, right? <laughs> you're just giving them grace, giving them grace. That's a way that you know that that grace gift is not on you. So somebody... Rodney <laughs> has to go talk to that person and said, look, um, I should have caught this in tryouts <laughs> if we don't get that far. Part of what we do is we help people find their grace gifts. All of that to say, during that moment this morning, we were all doing this together. People came up to you and began to pray for you. If you for Karen, she prayed over me. So all, all three of those types of gifts in the gift of prophecy at DCF was happening this morning whether you recognize it or not. Now, here's the key. The Bible says about this gift, everybody should desire to prophesy. Now, listen, I'm going to wrap it up with this because we're not going to have time to get into the rest of them, but it's okay. This is, um, this is just a few of the scriptures. Let me find it. Here we go. Here's one of them. 1 Timothy 1.18. It says, Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction. This is a father in the ministry to a son in the faith in keeping with the prophecies once made about you. He said, God has been speaking to you about who you are and what your calling is and, and, your, and what he's doing in your life. And he says, he says uh, in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by following them, you may fight the good fight. In other words, God has put a calling on your life. So this morning, gift of encouragement gathered around you potentially. People have said hello. The grace gift back there of, of you know, hospitality has connected with you without realizing it all, the whole time you've been here, this gift has been working. These different gifts have been working. And this prophetic gift, all three of these different arenas have ministered to you this morning whether you recognize them or not. So what can you do? And here's the big thing I want you to take away from this this morning. That your responsibility is to eagerly desire these gifts and especially to prophesy. Why? Because if you learn how to do this gift, If you prophesy according to your faith with this grace gift, what happens is it's a thing that grows. So the first time you walk up to somebody and you feel like God wants you to say something to somebody, this is what you'll do. You'll go, this is how it happened to me. I just just feel like God loves you. 
you're not wrong, <laughs> right? <laughs> so that maybe is what you had the faith to prophesy. Maybe the next time God shares a scripture with you for a certain person, and it's, a, it's an encouraging gift, and you walk up to him and you go, hey, man, I was praying for you, and I just felt like the Lord said, and then you share this scripture, right? And we are careful how we share the prophetic. We don't say, and the Lord says to you, right? Because that's what the Bible does, and I'm not the Bible, right? I'm, I'm, a, I'm a tool, and I'm fallible. I can get it wrong. So we hold prophetic people in our church accountable. So if you share something prophetically with someone, it, you are accountable to what you said to them. And when you do that, and you grow in faith, all of a sudden, it begins to do some powerful, powerful things in your life. I remember, I'm, I'm going to pick Dave out. I won't give you the details. Dave Woodham, one of our elders. I remember when they first came on team, and get ready to come on team, there were some prophetic words over their life that we look back now, he knew it going into it, but it was a little bit challenging, confusing, some directional stuff about when other people are doing this, you do this. When this is happening, you don't, get, don't do this, you do this, right? And it just ministered to them. And, and over the course of a, of a year or two, you look back and go, that was so perfect, I, I can't even begin to tell you how perfect that was, right? And that's how God works. But that took a measure of faith where someone came and said, I see a picture right? I'm hearing what the Lord says. I'm listening for what application may come. And then I share, the, I share what I think it means. And then I share what I think they ought to do with it. But I always do it with grace saying, I feel, I sense, I think. Why do we do that? Because the Bible says when people prophesy, it says, let the others judge. That means you, as the body of Christ, have discernment on whether the prophetic is, is, is actually in line with the nature of God, the calling of God. Is it in line with Scripture? Is it, does it look like Him? Because if a, if a gift does not look like Him, it's being done wrong, even if it's a real gift. So what about you? How are you growing in your grace gift? I started with prophecy because that covers everybody. Everybody is supposed to eagerly desire this gift, whether it you know, starts out as a, a grace gift, whether the Spirit of God is moving and there's a manifestation that begins to happen inside of you. Sometimes we call it an unction. You feel like your chest is going to beat out of you. I mean, your heart's going to beat out of your chest. You're like, I feel like I'm supposed to say something. And you know, what do I do? What do I do? <laughs> we help guide people in this and help you walk into it. And when you do it, part of what's happening is God is pouring his grace down from heaven into a person's life who often is so close to the forest they can't see the trees, right? Usually, almost always, it's a time of crisis, it's a time of challenge, and you'll come with a prophetic word that builds into them. It lets them remember that God is speaking into their life and they're gonna be okay. They're the head, not the tail. God is gonna release them to good things, not bad. He has good intentions for them, not evil, right? Every good gift comes from God. You can become a tool to speak that into people's lives. Now, here's the thing, and I'm going to close with this. You can't, you don't have to just do this in church. And here's why. There's no such thing as in church. You are the church or you're not the church. You are the church or you are the world. Those are the only two options. You are a saint or you are a sinner. Those are the only two options, right? And so if you are part of the kingdom, then you get to speak to the body of believers. That's part of the, what gifts do. And secondly, you can use those gifts to serve humanity. There are every, almost, think about it, every single entity out there that is blessing humanity is either Christian 
or it's people who aren't even Christians who are using the gifts God has given them to do what his heart is, which is to bless humanity. So you can grow in your gift. And I want to challenge you, if you haven't signed up for a team, part of what those teams are are to help you identify. There's a list. You can see some of the gifts. If that gift is yours, serve in that gift. Bring your strength in that gift. There's so many of them. You know, uh, working with kids can be leadership gift. It can be the gift of encouragement, the gift of prophecy, administration. It can be a hundred different gifts, the gift of mercy. But it tip, typically it comes along with a desire to bless children or youth or whatever, right? When you find that and you put that connection together, what happens is God releases you into the body of Christ. The body of Christ grows because everybody's serving into it. And then the body of Christ reaches out into people's lives. And so you can literally do this when you go to lunch today. When the server comes up, ask the Lord. Try it. It's fun. Ask the Lord, God, is there something you would like to say to this server through me? Would you, like, would you use the gift you've given me and if, if I've never done this, if I've never prophesied before, it can be something as simple as you could speak to their identity, you could share a scripture with them that's encouragement, or you could literally just encourage them. But you can take that and grow that as far as you want to the point where I was, and I share this story often because it's so powerful, I was a pastor at a church, I wasn't the senior pastor, I was sitting down with a prophet, New Testament prophet, the guy's name was Mitch, I'd been to Costa Rica with him, Literally, demon-possessed people would call his name out in the street, and he would cast demons out of them. True story. It was amazing. Interesting guy, right? His experience would profit this fivefold ministry gift. He's in a conference. He's part of a church that doesn't believe in it. <clears throat> He's sitting there. God's been doing, talking to him about walking into this, and the guy up on the front who was a fivefold ministry prophet called out to him and said, Sir, would you stand up? I have a word from the Lord for you. So he's like, okay, thousands of people in the room. He points him out, and he said, um, I work on pipes underneath the sink. What am I? He says, you're a plumber. He said, I work, on, I work on electrical lines in a house. What am I? He said, you're an electrician. He said, son, stop trying to figure out why and just be who God made you to be. Now that is a directional and a correctional word in front of God and everybody, right? But he took it seriously. And one of the moments I've seen him do tons of things like this, we're sitting in a restaurant, a family comes up, they're kind of a little bit new and legalistic, don't really get grace, they got a daughter who's like Wednesday, she doesn't fit, she, <laughs> she comes in, she's kind of, you know, wearing black, the whole nine yards, she's like, I'm not in this, she's grown up in church, she hated church, everything about it, and he looks at her, I'm doing the nicety thing, because, you know, I'm the past, one of the pastors, I have to do that, and, and he looks at her and he says, can I say something to you? And the whole family just stopped. He didn't care because God was like, I'll talk to them through this, actually. He said, can I say something to you? And she said, uh, sure. She was terrified. He said, um, God says you're not really good at, at uh, going to church, but you're really, really good at being the church. That's all he said. And she instantly, room full of people during lunch, started sobbing and weeping. They, had to, they put their arms around her and had to take her out praying for her the whole time. You know what he did? He broke down lies over her life that probably her family, well-intentioned though it had been, was actually something entirely different than what God was saying. Because God was calling her down a different path. The Bible says, for you parents, it says raise up a child in the way they should go, not the way you want them to go. And they had taken that little girl 
and they had squished every good thing that God was trying to be, do in her life because her gift was immature or she was insecure a hundred different ways. We've all done it. So I'm not beating the family up. I'm just saying that that one moment in that young girl's life rescued her and put her on track. And, you know, now she's married. She has a family. Things are, she's not in therapy. That's a big part of it, right? So you can do this, and you can grow in your gift, and you can grow in these gifts till they become so powerful that you are a force to be reckoned with in the world. You begin to impact people, and you begin to draw people into the kingdom. You begin to draw people to Christ. And that's part of what this is, to grow up the body so the body can be on mission to reach the lost. Jesus said, I'm going to leave the 99 and go after the one. This meeting is a meeting to equip you for the works of your ministry. And these gifts and the things we're talking about are tools for you to use both here in this local church and in your business and workplace and in the world to reach people for, for the name of Jesus. Amen? So once you stand with me, I'm all done. Um, I know this can be challenging, but so often what happens is we're not taught about I was never taught about this. I had to discover a bunch of this stuff on my own. And I just want, what I want to do is I want to equip you guys so that you can begin to use these tools. Not, here's the thing. If you are a steward of a mansion, you still get to live in a mansion. You get to eat really nice food. I mean, that's the whole picture of what God says. He says, I have no problem with blessing you. God has no problem with you being wealthy, right? He has no problem with you having money. He just doesn't want money to have you. And that's true of every other thing. And he doesn't have any problem with you being an influencer just so long as you, you don't thrive on the influence right? You're doing it for a different purpose and a different reason. So I just want to equip you. So I want to challenge you. If you haven't joined a team and you're part of who we are, you call yourself a member or regular attender, then sign up for a grace team, grow in your gift, study scripture, go after this, and let's get equipped to do what God has called us to do. Amen? So Jesus, thank you, Lord, for this morning. Thank you for demonstrating this, Lord, even during our worship time demonstrating how powerful these gifts are and what they're capable of in our own lives. So Jesus, call us not just to receive. Lord, we're so thankful that you pour out your gifts and your kindness and your mercy upon us when we need it so desperately. Lord, so often our knees are broken down and we are feeble and we need help and encouragement and strength. But Lord, that doesn't just come from you. It comes from you through brothers and sisters in the Lord who are learning to walk in those gifts and be obedient. God, would you call all of us to be obedient to this heavenly calling you have given us to serve in your kingdom purposes. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you need prayer this morning, our team and other grace team will be up here to pray for you. If not, have a wonderful week and we'll see you next Sunday.